Turn with me to Ruth chapter number 4. And while you're turning there, while you're turning there, uh, uh, I want to just read a brief review so that we will catch up to where we are. If y'all will remember, uh, we have been hearing terms like kinsman, redeemer, uh, a Leverite marriage, uh, uh, and just weird stuff like that. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to remind you what those things are before we start reading so we'll, we'll kind of have a clue what we're talking about. In the review, in your notes, the, uh, the review says this. The law of the kinsman redeemer is given in Leviticus 25, 23, and 34. The law governing the Leverite marriage is found in Deuteronomy 25. Now the purpose of these laws was to preserve the name and protect the property of families in Israel. God owned the land and didn't want it exploited by rich people who would take advantage of poor people and widows. When obeyed, these laws made sure that a dead man's family name did not die with him and his property was not sold outside the tribe or clan. Now, what does that mean? When the nation of Israel went into the promised land, went into the, the land of Israel, they sectioned it off. You remember, uh, God told Joshua, you will divide unto these people the land for an inheritance. And every family got their section. Every clan, every tribe got their section. And God intended for that piece of property, that land, to stay in that tribe, in that family forever. And he set it up in such a way that if you ever had financial issues, financial problems where you had to sell the land uh, because of whatever reason, that eventually you would get it back. You, a kinsman, a person that was near kin could redeem it, pay for it, and bring it back into the family. So does that make sense? Say amen. Now, he wanted to be able to perpetuate the name of the family, so they, they had the Leverite marriage, which means this. If a man married a woman and uh, he died with no children, with no heirs to carry on the family name, uh, the, the next brother in line or the near kinsman would take her to be his wife uh, to have children in the name of the man who had died to continue the family name. If that makes sense, say amen. So... With that being said, we have the story here. We have the story here. When we finished off the last time we were here, we find that Naomi has lost her husband. He, she has lost both of her sons, and she has come back to the land of uh, Israel, come back to the promised land, and she has Ruth here, and they have land, but they have not the ability to redeem it. They are poor, they are in poverty, and but they realize that the people that they have gone to glean, the land that they've gone to glean in, Ruth did, was Boaz, and he was a what? Come on now, he was a he was a kinsman redeemer. He was kin to the family, so he was able to redeem the land, or he could do it. It was a possibility for him to do it. So Ruth goes to him and presents herself in chapter number 3. Ruth goes to him and presents herself for a more intimate relationship with him. Instead of being a servant in the field, she wanted to be a wife in the home. Say amen. She says, you're a kinsman redeemer. Do the kinsman part and redeem me to yourself. Redeem the land and bring it back. So if everybody's together now and where we are in chapter 4, say amen. amen. All right, let's begin reading. The Bible says, then went Boaz, and, and by the way, Boaz told her, okay, okay, uh, now listen, this is great, I want to redeem you, I want to take you and make you mine and, and marry you, but there's only one problem, there is somebody that's a closer kin than I am. 
and we have, we have to deal with that uh, and take care of that first. And if he, will, he won't redeem you, then I will. All right? I forgot that part a while ago. So now, are we together? Say amen. So this is Boaz going to take care of that situation. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by. And unto him who he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, that is come out again of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt, what's that word? Redeem. Redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. He said, yeah, yeah, I want the land. That sounds like a good idea. I, I, I want to take the land. Then Boaz said, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, then thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, uh-uh, I can't do that. I want the land, but I, I don't want the wife. I don't want what comes with it. I cannot redeem, I cannot redeem her. And the kinsman said, redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. For this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, the man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe, and Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that Elimelech and all that uh, Kylan and Malin of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malin, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. Father, thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you for a day to live and to praise you and glorify you. Thank you for an opportunity to come and, and share your word and, and, and glean from your scriptures tonight. Now, Lord, you know what kind of day we've had today, and, and you know what kind of uh, 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 night we, we desire to have. Lord, I hope our night's better than our day. I pray that you'll just move in a great way. I pray that you'll speak through me. Lord, I don't, want, I don't want anybody to see me. I want everybody to see you. And everything that's said, let them see you come alive in this chapter and in this scripture. I pray your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In the beginning of this, in the, in the beginning of this book, if you have been here from the beginning... Uh, you will find that this story is an incredible story that begins with great distress. We find a family that is going through a difficult time. We find a family that is going through a famine situation, a, a pressurized situation, and they make a bad decision. They make a bad decision that, that, that causes them to disobey the Word of God. Now, uh, there have been times in my life, and I would, I would venture to say that there's been probably times in your life that you made a bad decision that caused you to disobey the Word of God. Do I have an amen? 
Because of this disobedience, because of this uh, detour from the word of God and, and detour from the place of God, they went down to a place they had no business being. And because of their disobedience, we find death followed shortly. The Bible says that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but then the ways there, in the end thereof there is death. For the wages of sin is death. So in the beginning of this story, in the beginning of this book, in the very first chapter, we find disobedience. We find death and we find despair. She left the will of God. She left the way of God. Listen, she left the providence and the protection of God. And because of that, she found herself in a bad situation, sitting at a graveyard with nothing to show for it and left a very bitter woman. She was in charge, she was in control, she was making up her own mind, uh, she was making the decisions in the life, and the choices she made and the decisions she made led her into a place that she did not need to be, and because of that, she was now in great despair. But I'm glad to know that there is a God in heaven who looks down on our poor decisions, and he will look past the stupid things we do and says, let me take control, let me take the pen, let me take the will, let me be in charge now, let me make the decisions. Listen, you've done had it long enough, let me take charge now, and I want you to see what I can do. There is a God who will forgive. There is a God who will overlook. There is a God who will look past your problems and he will see your potential. He will look past the areas of your life. Listen, when you should have given him control and you should have let him be in charge, but he will take it and make it good. Say amen. And tonight we're going to study a chapter and we're going we're to title it this, When God Writes the Last Chapter. When they had the pen, when they were in control, when man was in charge of the situation, when they were writing the story of their life, they found disappointment, they found death, they found disobedience, they found despair. But what happens when God takes the pen? What happens when God writes the story? And I'm glad God's still writing stories. Amen. Listen. When God begins to write the story, when God takes control, when God takes possession and he begins to write the story and the chapter of this life, I find this, number one, it's always, always, always when Jesus takes over, when God takes over, when God steps in, he, listen, he'll always write a story of redemption. This is, this is the Bible made over. This is from Genesis to Revelation. Man has failed. Man has made mistakes. And God has stepped in and provided redemption. What do we need to know about redemption? What does redemption mean? Redemption simply means to buy back or to purchase, to set free by purchasing, buying. Uh, so they, they are here now, and we see two things. Two things are being purchased. There's only three things that can be purchased, by the way. A bride, land, and a servant can be redeemed. And, and I, I want so bad to go to Revelation, and let's talk a little, uh, let's talk a little prophecy there, but, uh, but, but we don't have time, and it's so good. Amen. It's so good. Ties really good in with this, with uh, 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 Revelation uh, chapter 4 and 5. And, uh, but, but listen, they, they, we see in this chapter there's two things that are being redeemed, a bride and land. 
Now, redemption is very important for us to understand. Uh, uh, I love singing the song, I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been redeemed. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be redeemed? What, what elements of redemption do we need to understand? What elements of redemption do we need to have in our heart? In this case, with Ruth and Naomi, Elimelech's property had either been sold or was under some kind of mortgage, and the rights to the land had passed to Ruth's husband, Malin, when Elimelech died. But here we are, uh, Ruth and Naomi are in poverty, and they could not do anything about their situation. So what needed to take place? A kinsman redeemer needed to step forward and redeem the land. Now, what elements of redemption did I want you to see? First off, A, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to see the relationship in redemption. The relationship in redemption. Not just anybody could redeem the land. Somebody outside of the tribe could not redeem the land. A Gentile could not redeem the land because they were not kin. They were not kin. You had to be kin. You had to be of the same tribe. You had to be of the same family. So you had to have a right relationship to be a redeemer. Now, what does that have to do with us? And what does that have to do with Christ? You've got to understand something. The Bible said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It says, let this mind be in you. In Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Why did he make himself in the likeness of man? Because he became kin to man. God became man so he could relate to us. He is our kinsman redeemer. Deity took upon humanity to become our kinsman redeemer. Listen, you have in order to be a, a redeemer, you had to have the right relationship. And listen, deity took upon humanity to become our kinsman redeemer. Jesus became kin to us. Isn't that good? Say amen. Listen, in order, to, in order to, to be able to redeem, you had to have the right relationship. But not only that, you had to have the right resources. You had to have the right resources. You had to have the ability to redeem. You could be a kinsman redeemer, but be broke. Are y'all with me? You could be close of kin, but not have a dollar to your name. And you may have been a kinsman, but you did not have the ability to pay the price. Are y'all with me? So in order to be a kinsman redeemer, you had to be able to pay the price of redemption. The Bible says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 18, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I'm glad to know that Jesus, listen, he was deity become humanity, Emmanuel, God with us, and the word became flesh. He died on an old rugged cross to pay for my sin. The wages of sin is death 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the price with the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that blood lose all their guilty stains. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say Jesus had the resources. Jesus had the ability. You can't get saved by baptism. You can't get saved by church membership. You can't get saved by good deeds. I don't care how many times you've been to Sunday school. I don't care how many times and listen how many verses you've memorized in the Bible. That could not get you in. It takes the blood of Christ to wash your sin away. It's not a denominational fact. It's the truth of God's word. I don't care who you are. You can't come to Jesus without the blood. He had the resources. Listen, he's our kinsman redeemer. He had the right relationship. And he had the right resources. But not only that, not only that, there's another element. There's another element to redemption. You had to be kin. You had to be able. But boy, this is the best one. You had to be willing. And you see, that's where we find the readiness in redemption. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? You got to understand. There was a kinsman in this story. There was a kinsman in this story that was closer kin. But he wasn't willing. He wanted the land. Man, this, if this don't bless nobody, it bless my blesser in my office today. When I sat there and I saw, he wanted the land. But he didn't want the baggage that came with it. He said, I want the prosperity and I want the providence of the land. But I don't want no Moabite woman that comes with it lest she mar my inheritance. And oh, God just whispered to me. He says, I don't care what you carry and when you come to me. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your baggage. I don't care about your problems. I don't care about your failures. I just want you. He is willing, he is ready, he is able. I don't care who you are, I don't care where you're from, I don't care if you're from the wrong side of the tracks, I don't care how much sin has been in your life, he cares not for your baggage, he just wants you. That's good. Hallelujah. How many of y'all are glad we have a kinsman redeemer? Listen, we see when God starts writing a chapter, he begins the chapter with redemption. Redemption. Because see, if we're not redeemed, nothing else matters. If we're not redeemed, nothing else matters. He came and he paid the price so that we could be free. Preacher, what else does, what else does God write in that chapter when he starts writing? He writes a chapter of redemption, but then he writes a chapter of restoration. Oh, I hope you get this. I hope you get this. A lot of Baptists, have, they've really missed it on this one. They don't understand what all comes with salvation. Listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. I'm glad I'm going to heaven too. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. I'm glad I'm not going to hell too. But I'm glad of what God will do right here on this earth in this present time. You see, 
Naomi came back, and she said, I went out, I went out, help me, somebody that knows your Bible, I went out full, but God's brought me back. I went out with a husband and two sons and a, and a hope for the future. I went out with dreams and desires, and, and I had plans for my life. I went out hoping for the best and looking, looking for a future and hoping that I could have great things. And when the devil was through with me, I ended up, I ended up empty. But then I met a redeemer. And watch this. This is where I told you. You remember I told you in the beginning this book's really not about Ruth. It's about Naomi. Watch. Watch. Ruth 4. Boaz, Boaz purchases and redeems the land and Ruth. And they have a wedding. Verse 10, he says, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malin, have I purchased to be my wife. Verse 11, And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house, like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily, and Ephratath, and be famous in Bethlehem. Let thy house be like the house of Pharaoh's and Tamar, with whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed, whom the, which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. Now watch. Now who do the women begin to praise God about and talk about and encourage? And the women said unto who? Naomi. Not Ruth. Naomi. Watch. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, not, not, and they was not talking about Boaz there. They were talking about Obed. They were talking about the grand boy. Y'all with me? Ooh. And he, Obed, y'all with me? Verse 15. And he, talking about Obed, that grandson, shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And who? And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to who? Not Ruth. Naomi. Now what are, what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say this. Naomi made mistakes. Naomi made failures. Naomi found despair and destruction and death and disobedience in the chapter 1. But when God was through, when she came back to God, God had a plan for her. And this plan included somebody who was going to be a restorer of life. Preacher, what is the point? The point is this. That when you come to God, you may have wasted a lot of time with the devil, but God can restore what the devil stole. 
Listen, listen. <laughs> this chapter of restoration, what do we find? A, it's a restoration of help. Write that down. A restoration of of help. You remember before we said in that day there was no social security, there was no welfare. Listen, if your family was not there to take care of you, you became a beggar and most people died. If you did not have that support, if you did not have that lineage and those children and grandchildren to come after you to take care of you in your old age, you were done. But what did God do? He restored help in her old age. They said, he shall be a restorer of thy life. How many of y'all are glad for the restoration of God? Say amen. amen. The Bible says in Joel chapter 2 verse 25, and I'll restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you, and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. Not only was help restored, but hope was restored. Obed would be a blessing to Naomi in another way. He would one day care for the family that brought him into the world, including his grandmother Naomi. Boaz had redeemed the family inheritance. Now Obed would continue the family line, protect the inheritance, and use it to sustain Naomi. God is in the restoration business. You say, preacher, I have nothing left. You don't know what you have. All you got to do is put it in God's hands and watch what God can do with it. I read a verse, and, and, and man, God spoke to me in this verse. Amos chapter 3, verse 12. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, As the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear. One little verse. You say, preacher, what in the world does that mean? As the shepherd would take out of the mouth of the lion a leg or a piece of an ear. You say, preacher, what does that mean? I wonder what that meant. You know, in that day, they were shepherds, and they had lambs, and they had sheep, and, and, and lions, and wild animals would come, and they would, they would destroy the flock, and they would come, and they would take a lamb out of the flock, or, or they would take sheep out of the flock. And, and most of the time, they would mangle it up, and, and they would devour most of it, and then run off with the rest. Whatever, whatever was left over. Now watch. The lion would devour it and run off with what was ever. And I looked that up and I started reading that. And, and you know what the leg and the piece of an ear? You know what the Bible studies say and the scholars say? Those were the insignificant parts of the sheep those were the parts that did that wasn't worth a whole lot they were insignificant in importance and I thought now Lord why would a shepherd risk his life running down a line to snatch out of his mouth a part of the sheep that they say is insignificant. And God said, because I never said it was ever insignificant. And this is the point. Most people say, I've wasted my life. 
I've wasted everything. There's nothing left. All I have is this little bit. I've used it all up for the devil. The devil has ravaged my life. The devil has destroyed my life. And all I have is this insignificant stuff. And what God is saying, he's the shepherd. And he cares about the insignificant. And he is saying there is nothing insignificant to me. I can take I can take, I said, I can take what the devil's left over. I can take the pieces that everybody else thinks are insignificant and I can do more with a leg and a piece of an ear than the devil can do with a whole body. So if you're here today and your life has been racked and ruined with sin in your mind and you think you have nothing left and you have nothing left to offer let me tell you there's a shepherd in heaven who thinks you're a pretty great sheep it doesn't matter what's left of your life he'll take it and use it for his glory he will not let the devil have satisfaction he is a restorer of life man some of y'all made so many stupid mistakes just like I have and the devil will creep up on your shoulder and say, you're done. God can't use you. You've been to prison. You, you, you've been in the crack house. Seriously? All those, you've been cheating on your spouse and all that you've done. You really think God wants to use you? Yep. Ruth was a Moabite woman. A Moabite woman, a wicked society, evil and wicked. You know what God did? Just line her right up in the lineage of David, which became the lineage of Jesus Christ. I'm glad God's in the, the, the leg and the piece of ear business, ain't you? Listen, he always writes a story in a chapter of redemption it's a chapter of restoration. But lastly, it's a chapter of rejoicing. Rejoicing. We ought to just all clear us off a spot and just have a party tonight. The book of Ruth, it opens with three funerals. I don't know if you've been to a funeral lately, but there's a whole lot of weeping at a funeral. Especially if it's a loved one. Whole lot of weeping. But chapter 4 has a wedding. And there may be weeping, but it's a different kind. And there's a whole lot of joy. And I don't know if you've ever been to the birth of a baby either, especially a grandbaby. I need to witness grand people in here. Amen. Preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I had a meeting today with a situation that I thought was just done. That I've wept over and thought about and just just a difficult, difficult situation. And all of a sudden today, I saw a little light at the end of the tunnel. And it was like God just parted the clouds a little bit and let a little sunshine through. Are y'all with me? 
Listen, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Preacher, why, why were they rejoicing? Because of God's grace. Because of God's grace. God had been gracious to Ruth back in Moab by giving her faith to trust him and be saved. His grace continued when she moved to Bethlehem, for he guided her to the field of Boaz, where Boaz fell in love with her. God's grace continued at the town gate, where the near kinsman rejected Ruth and Boaz purchased her. After the marriage, God poured out his grace on Ruth and Boaz by giving her conception and then by giving her safe delivery of a son whom they named Obed. And I guarantee you, Naomi's not a bitter woman anymore. Because of grace, she can rejoice. Because of grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Are y'all with me? They're rejoicing over the grace of God. But they're also rejoicing over the gift of God. This little fellow, Obed. His name means servant or worshiper. The children, listen, children in that day were named according to the circumstances in those days. The women of the city saw Naomi worshiping God and called his name Obed. Obed, he became a servant and a blessing to many. Joseph. In Joseph's life, y'all know the story of Joseph in the first chapter of his life, we find him in a pit. Then we find him in a prison or a Potiphar's house as a slave. Then we find him in a prison. But then when God got through, he was in a palace. Job. Man, there's no story like Job. I mean, it's just beyond my, my imagination to be able to fathom really what Job went through. In the first chapter, he lost his family, his finances, his fitness, his own physical health. His own wife felt so sorry for him. She said, just curse God and die. I mean, you've been through so much. You've experienced so much pain and so much heartache and so much difficulty. Just, just die. Just get some relief. But in the very last chapter of Job, the Bible says that God gave him twice as much as he had to begin with. I don't know if y'all read your Bible lately, but Genesis don't start out real good. Man disobeys God. They get kicked out of the garden. Eve ate him out of house and home. Say amen. I've always wanted to use that one. I haven't had a chance to use that one yet. They get kicked out of the garden. Now they're in, in sin. There's a curse on the world. The land is cursed. Our bodies are cursed. Everything's cursed. Death is upon us now. In the beginning of the book, it looks real bad. But oh, in the back, I found in the back, the curse is removed, tears are removed, 
God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. Death is removed. Are y'all with me? Listen. See, the problem tonight is there's many folks in here. You still got the pen in your hand. Tonight, you need to let it go. Because, see, there's other people. There's other people. I don't mean to embarrass nobody, but I'm, I'm, I, and I hope I don't. I don't think I will. Come here a minute, if you don't mind, and just stand right here. Jeff, can I, can I use you for illustration if you don't mind? Here's two prime examples of two, two individuals who decided to take the pen. Is that a correct statement? I'm going to take the pen a while. And when I say take the pen, what I mean by that is I'm going to take control. I'm going to do things my way a little while. I'm going to do what I want to do. And could y'all admit and agree that, that it pretty much ended up the same way as this book? Same way. But guess what? Both of them said, God, I don't want this pen no more. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not big enough to handle this pen, and I, I, I don't want this pen anymore. And God, would you please take this pen back? And you know what he did? He said, I sure will. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you to call me. I've been waiting on you to give me that pen back. So, oh, is God mad? Is God angry? Is God throwing their future away? Oh, no. He starts writing a chapter of redemption. And in chapters of restoration, so that we can stand here and rejoice. Now, here's what I'm telling you this for. I, I, I didn't do this to embarrass these guys. I'm doing this to let you know that there is modern-day Naomi situations today, right now. God is still changing lives. God is still putting things back together. God is still repairing what the devil has messed up. Some of you need to take my word for it tonight. And God's allowed us to have a lot of time. And if I could let these guys testify, they'd tell you right now, the greatest thing you could ever do is give that pen up and give it to God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This is what I want to do. Jeff, if you don't mind, get your Bible and just come up here and, and, uh, and, and altar workers. Johnny, I don't know where you're at. Let me tell you something. This is a God moment. This is a God. I never planned this. I never planned. Usually, y'all know I'm 10 minutes after. And God has given us time to have an invitation for you. Are you here today and, and you need somebody to pray with you? Say, preacher, I've had this pen in my hand and I've, I've made a mess. And I just want somebody to pray with me. You might be here and you might need to get saved. You might be here and, and God might be dealing with your heart about getting saved. All you got to do is come right now. Uh, 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 find me some, if you can find some soft music if you can. Or somebody else knows how to play a piano softly. Yes, sir. We got it. We got it, Brother Dustin.
Listen, if God's dealing with your heart right now, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today this, this evening and, and you say, Preacher, I'm not 100% sure if I was to die right now that I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure if I was to die right now that I'd go to heaven. Pre Preacher, would you pray for me? I want you to slip your hand up right now and I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I just want to pray for you. I see this hand right over here. God bless you. Listen. Anybody else say, Preacher, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Anybody? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. I pray, Lord, for those that raise their hand. I pray for those that raised their hand and, and said, Lord, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Lord, I pray today, tonight would be the night that they trust you as their Savior. And I want to give them an opportunity. I want to give them a chance to come. I want to give them a chance to come and ask you. And Lord, we've got altar workers at this altar right now to be glad to take a Bible and show them how to be saved. I pray your will be done, Lord. I pray your will be done. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. If you raised your hand, if you didn't, it don't really matter. But if you'd like to know how to be saved, all you got to do is come right now. Just step out of your pew right now. We'll have a lady for ladies and men for men. You just come right now and we'll take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Anybody. Anybody. Okay, this is the most important part of the invitation. This is the most important part of the invitation. The Bible says, the Bible says that there was a chapter of rejoicing. And I want as many Christians that, that will, if you're thankful for what God has done for you, if you're thankful for what God has done in your life, if you're thankful that God has taken your past sins and washed them all away and thrown them in a sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered again, if you're thankful for God's change in your life, I want you to find a place in this altar and let's take a, just a few minutes. Hey, we've got, we've got 15 minutes left. Let's take a few minutes just to give Him glory. Let's take a few minutes just to give Him praise and just to thank Him. This is not to ask for anything. This is not to, to, to ask for anything. This is just simply to thank Him. Thank Him for being our Redeemer. Thank Him for being our kinsman. Thank Him for being our Savior. Thank Him for being our Lord. Thank Him for restoring life where there was no life. Thank Him for being good to us. Jeff, I want you to come up here and, and, and grab a mic, and I, I want you to lead us in prayer. I got the yellow mic. Is that good? Just find a place there in the pew. You can find it in the altar. Jeff, I want you to lead us, and we're going to thank God for what he's doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Lord, thank you for doing for us Yes. What we could never do for ourselves. Naomi could have never done the things yes. that were accomplished in her life. Yes, Jesus. But you made a way for. Lord, there's no way that a single one of us could ever have made a way to be reconciled back to you. But you yes. sent your son and paid our sin debt for us. You did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Yes, Jesus. And I'm sure there are many people in here tonight, just like myself. God, who even after salvation made you. mistakes, God, we just want to had troubles in their life. Father, we praise you today. But Lord, we thank you that thank you're you for a forgiving your God, that you're a God of a thank second you chance, that you love us, thank you for and your you take us back. Mercy. 
Lord, I, I, never, I never can get the story of the prodigal son out of my yes, mind. Yes, Jesus. And I think the most exciting part about that story is how that daddy was looking down the road. Yes, amen. Yes, waiting amen. for his son to come home. Yes, Lord, Lord. I thank you that there was a time in my life you looked down the road for me. Yes, Lord. Lord, I pray that you bless each person in here tonight who's hurting, whose heart's broken, who's dealing with difficult situations that there's no way that they can contend with, that they can handle. The, 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 the mountain looks insurmountable to them. But I'm, yes. I'm glad tonight, Lord, that we don't have to face those yes, things alone. Lord. We don't have to deal with those things by ourselves. Lord, I pray that you'd help each person here that's facing those difficulties to find a way to tap into the grace that you offer them tonight. Lord, thank you for all that you've done for us and for all the things that you'll continue to do for yes. us in the future. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's all stand our feet. Everyone stand our feet. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? Just keep playing, Doc. That was pretty. Just keep playing. Yes. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something if we ever if we ever take for granted what God's done for us if we ever forget that we were broken we were helpless when the kinsman redeemer found us one thing that Jeff said that's so important. God done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And you know, until we got completely, totally helpless, we couldn't get to Him. Because when we could do something for us, God said, you don't need me yet. But when we come to the cross, He said, nothing in my hand I bring. Are y'all with me? What a God. Hallelujah. I kind of don't want to leave, to be honest with you. I wish we could just use up our 10 minutes just soaking in the presence of God. How about amazing grace? Can you do that? Amazing grace. Right, let's sing that one. Let's sing that one. Help us as we sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now. blind but now I see 
blessed days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Praise God, 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 praise God. Let's give him praise and glory. Here, Travis, come on up here and just pray for us and dismiss and say a word or something. Amen. Love you, buddy. Get that mic so they can hear you. Let me. Let me. Let me. How many y'all appreciate Brother Travis in the house? Amen. That's on. Last night to uh, Sardis to hear a preacher preach. And uh, the Lord just uh, absolutely blessed him there and gave me what I stood in need of. And then to come back tonight and to see the Lord just anoint him. And, and you know, I think a couple things. I think, number one, God always seems to bless our preacher because he always asks for it. Uh, most every, every week, and tonight was no exception, he came by and instead of cutting up with us, he said, guys, pray for it. God's anointing. And you know, there's so many people, and I've been in and out of so many churches, and preachers rush in the pulpit, and they, they give their sermon, and then they rush out and, and everything. But you know, we got a place week after week where somebody studies hard, prays hard, takes the time, asks for God's blessings. And I don't know about you, but I think it's evident. I mean, look around you tonight. Look at this crowd. I remember when it was 20. And 30, and that ain't been, been that long ago. But as, as God shows up, we're showing up, and God's helping every one of us. And I know this, and you know this too, people come because they're getting help. And they're seeing the work of God. And I know that's why I come, and I appreciate it. Well, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for the grace of God that's brought salvation down to us.